Well, what a wonderful way for us to prepare ourselves for the opening of God's Word, to sing praises to one another and to our gracious, oh-so-wonderful God, that Jesus is all that we need, Jesus is all that we have, and Jesus is all. Amen? I am Pastor Jason, and welcome once again to Rancho Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you have chosen to join us this morning as we gather for no other purpose but to exalt Christ, to sing praises to Him, to open His Word, and to learn more about Him and what He desires for us as far as His church as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to start this morning, rather than going right to the book of 1 Timothy, which we are going to get to the last chapter in 1 Timothy today, which is quite exciting, but turn with me to Mark. Mark chapter 2. Let's look at verses 14 to 17 as as a lead-in for where we're going this morning. Jesus says something very significant for us all. And what we're going to be looking at this morning is something that we, we all have been spending a lot of time thinking about lately. And most likely we think that we understand it quite well. That is the sick and the healthy. But look at what Jesus has to say. Mark chapter 2 verses 14 to 17. As he, Jesus, passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting on the tax, in the tax booth. And, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many of them and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating With the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Notice they they pose their question to his disciples, not to Jesus, but Jesus, being so gracious, responds to them directly. And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That is indeed what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see the sick, and then we're going to see the healthy. And I don't know where your mind goes to, even as you hear the words of Jesus, as to what exactly he means when he speaks of the sick. Does your mind go, probably, like the most rest of us this morning, does it go to COVID? Does it go to some flu bug that has been going around? Is that where your mind goes to? Or perhaps it goes to some other illness that you have heard about or maybe one of your loved ones or yourself has recently received news about. My, my mind goes all over the place when, when, when I read of sickness or I think of the sick. We spent nearly 20 years in the jungles of Papua New Guinea and, and we saw lots of sickness 
malaria. Cerebral malaria that could kill a child under the age of five in a matter of hours. Meningitis that could do the same thing. Hepatitis, elephantitis, whooping cough, tropical ulcers that just kept burrowing themselves deeper and deeper into flesh. Sometimes going an inch into somebody's thigh or leg. We had this thing called yaws that's a, a form of leprosy that would start on, an, on, a, on a digit on, say, like your finger, the top of your finger, and it would eat away all the way to your joint. The only way to, to stop these things was through medicine. What, what does sickness look like for you? The last so many years that we were living in Papua New Guinea, one of the elders had this, well, they're just planters, warts, or at least that's how they start off. And he had about 10 of them on, on both of his feet, on the soles of his feet. And over time, those planter warts just keep drilling in, drilling in, drilling in until they were probably a, a half an inch deep into the underside of his soles to where when he walked, he had to be really careful because it hurt so much. But do you know that he would go and he'd share Christ with people hours away? And if you'd ask him about that, he'd say, oh, this is nothing. I'm living for what will come after this. And if you were to ask me who the healthy people are in, in, in our village during that time, I, I would have said those that are free from disease, those that are free from the sickness, enjoying good health at this time. But, but with like something like malaria, I know many of us have been sick over the last couple months. Do, do, do you know what is so incredibly hard about malaria? Is it comes back month after month after month after month. So there'd be kids in our, in, our, in our tribe who would just get malaria over and over and over again. And all this points back to the fall. We recognize that, that when Adam and Eve were first in the garden, there was none of this. But when you think of, of good health, Probably like me, you think about what your doctors told you. Oh, th this will ensure good health for you. A proper diet, good sleep, get some exercise, deal with stress correctly, right? Those, those are things that, that the doctor has told me recently. But all of that will help your physical well-being, perhaps. But that isn't what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the sick. And who we're going to look at this morning is, is not the physically sick. What we're going to see this morning are the spiritually sick. Compared to the spiritually healthy. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And if, if you just look at these verses this morning, you might go, Pastor Jason, where are you getting this, the sick and the healthy from in this? This looks like it's talking about slaves, and this is talking about a different doctrine. I don't, I don't understand, and so st stick with me. That There is some neat truth, some gold for us to dig up in these verses. As the Apostle Paul, he's wrapping up his first letter to young Timothy in order to encourage him to, to be the pastor the Lord wants him to be to this congregation. And so what he does is he goes into what determines someone in their spiritual kind of well-being. 
what leads you down the path of becoming spiritually sick and what is needed in order for you to be spiritually healthy. And even speaks into kind of both of those situations and lives of believers and life of the church. Why? Because Christ does not want his church to be unhealthy. He does not want us as believers to be unhealthy. Look at verses 1 to 5, 1 Timothy chapter 6. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. Then he says this, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. Who, suppress, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Let us pray for the preaching of God's word. Heavenly Father, we, we know that we are sick. We know that our world is sick. But we also know of grace. A grace that is so great, so amazing, so far-reaching that it can change us, Lord. That it can take us from the sickness that we're in, that we're seeped in, that we can't get away from, that we don't know the remedy of. And it can make us new, and it can make us healthy. Open your word to us this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. Set me aside. Set any distraction aside. Allow your word to speak into our very souls this morning. Encourage us. Challenge us. Admonish us. Wake us up if we need to be woken up. And allow us to truly understand the significance of your word and sound teaching and how crucial it is for us to sit under sound teaching that we might be healthy godly Lord for that is what we desire in Jesus name we pray amen so where Paul goes here now is he's explaining to Timothy what he must then explain to the church in Ephesus hey this is the reason why some are spiritually sick in the body this is the reason why some are spiritually healthy and he's going to challenge them hey this is how I want you to live And what we're going to see this morning is the same thing. How unhealthy teaching brings sickness or ungodliness and how you can stay spiritually healthy through sound teaching or healthy teaching. But rather than starting with the healthy side of things, first I want to go to the sick, which is where the Apostle Paul is in verses 3 to 5. The spiritually sick. 
This is who he's speaking of, and really this is who he's speaking against and to. As he desires that those that are in the church in Ephesus would respond to what his letter is now about to communicate. Look at what he says in verse 3. As he speaks of the spiritually sick, and where does he go first? He goes to their doctrine, their teaching. And notice how he describes it. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. So how does he first, as he starts off, describe this kind of false teaching that is bringing about sickness in Christ's church, he describes it as a different doctrine. Advocating a different doctrine. This is the same word used earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. As he starts off his letter to Timothy, what is he encouraging him? No, he's commanding him. He tells Timothy, I want, you to stu- I want you to stand up and I want you to stop these false teachers from teaching what they are teaching. Literally what he says is, I want you to instruct men not to teach strange doctrine. There it's translated, it's interpreted as strange doctrine. Here it's a different doctrine. It's the same word in the Greek. It's a verb that says to teach something that is different to teach something that is, that is not the, the norm of, of standard instruction. We, we could look at it as divergent instruction. And that is what these false teachers are doing. It's contrary to standard instruction. What he's saying is, hey, what, what they are teaching, it's different. It's different than what I have taught, Timothy. It's different than what you have taught, and it's different than what the apostles have taught. It's different than what Jesus taught. It's entirely different. It's contrary to what has been known as standard instruction, what everybody has been teaching. They've gone off the path. And then he defines it. So that we would know exactly what he means. And he he says that it does not agree with sound words. This phrase, does not agree, is applying yourself to something. It's to, it's to devote yourself to it. It's to uh, occupy yourself to this particular teaching. But, but there's even more of a nuance in this verb is to physically, physically move towards something. And in order to move towards something, the idea is that you're, you're moving away from something else. And no doubt it's speaking of the fact that, that Paul had already taught the church in Ephesus. He spent three years there pouring his, his life and God's word into them. And no doubt these men that were there listening to that teaching and hearing what Paul had taught and then as elders were supposed to go ahead and keep sharing that truth now had turned away from that and started following something entirely different contrary to what they had been taught. They're going the opposite direction. Opposite direction of what? Of what is sound words. Sound words, what does that mean? It means, well, yes, it means to be free from error. But it's more than that. Literally in the Greek, they would use this word when it talks about health. It it meant to enjoy good physical health. This is talking about being healthy. 
that this is healthy words. This is healthy teaching. That means that what this produces in someone is healthy. What, what is Paul saying? What these guys are teaching is not healthy. It doesn't produce health, but it produces sickness. And that would have been so clear to those who are listening to Timothy Share out of chapter 6 in this letter that he received from Paul. But notice, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just describe it. He doesn't just define it. But then he explains exactly what it is. And notice, he's spending more time not, not speaking about what, these, what this different doctrine is. He spends more time on the real thing than he does on the different thing. And he lets us know, okay, so this is what sound words are. This is what sound doctrine is. And he says it's those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. So there's two things that he, that he lets us know that explains exactly what sound doctrine is. Did you hear what the first one is? It is those of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is centered on Christ. You come to a church and you don't hear someone speak of Christ, preach on Christ after so many weeks, then there is a problem. These guys were not putting Christ as the central focus. They were putting something else as the central focus. Myths and endless genealogies as we saw earlier in, in 1 Timothy. And then notice the result of this kind of so sound, solid teaching. Okay, it's centered on Christ, and what does it do? It conforms us to godliness. It conforms believers to godliness. This fits right in with what we saw earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where Paul, talking about great is the mystery of godliness, where does he go right from there? He goes to, and that is he is Jesus Christ. He equates with us that, that the that the secret of godliness is Jesus. You take Jesus out of the mix, you're taking godliness and the ability to become godly like Christ desires for us to be. You take that right out of the mix as well. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying. Because this wrong teaching that is not sound, that is not centered on Christ, it has separated from Christ. And as a result, this life-changing grace that is given through Jesus Christ is non-existent. It's not working in the life of the believers there. And so what are they doing? They are not growing in godliness. So what does the sound word of our Lord Jesus Christ mean in a word? Gospel. It's the gospel. And what does the doctrine conforming to godliness mean? It is the gospel. One is the content, the other are the effects of it. What is the content of sound words? It is the gospel. It is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Just what we would see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, that Paul says, so what is the gospel? It, it is, as the scriptures have said, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the content of the sound words. It points to Jesus Christ and his gospel. Now the effects of conforming to God, the effects of the gospel are conforming to godliness. That is what the gospel does. 
It produces fruit. And so what you would think you would see is fruit. And on the other side, if we are looking at something that is not sound, that is a different doctrine, then we would also see on that side their behavior. And and that is what we see. Why? Because Christ is just set aside. Christ is the center of all things. Do you recognize Christ is the center of biblical truth? Even before he's given the name of Christ as he is in the New Testament, the Old Testament speaks of Christ throughout the Old Testament. There is a thread of truth throughout the entire Old Testament that is pointing to the coming one, the the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior that is to come. And then what is the New Testament? It's all about Christ. You take him out of the mix, you do not have sound truth. You don't have any truth. What do false teachers do? They marginalize and they minimize Christ. They try to make him smaller and smaller and smaller. Is this not what we see happening in in many churches these days? Christ is becoming less and less and less. And what's becoming more and more and more? Experience. A new teaching on, on really who Christ is. All sorts of things that are off. You would think that this wouldn't happen even in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, but it does. As, as we were transitioning out and there were now elders that were leading the church, as we were in there, the elders came to me one day and they said, oh, Jason, there's a, a group of men here that, that want to teach the church. And, and these men are from, you know, that Bible school over there. And they, they, they don't teach truth. So what should we do? And I said, I, I don't know. You guys are now doing all the teaching. I'm on my way out. This, this is now yours. What do you want to do? And I will support you. And they said, okay, we want to let them teach, but we want you to correct them. <laughs> you stand up and tell them how they're wrong. And I said, okay, that sounds great. I will stay home, and I'm not going to listen, and I want you to correct them. And you guys can do this together, and, and I will be praying for you, and let me know, and in and, and, and the day we can talk, and this and that. Well, I hardly saw them. They were there for three days. These guys taught the end of their time, so they taught Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night about 9 o'clock. It's pitch black outside. They come down the grass airstrip to our thatched house. They knock on the door, and there's these five teacher guys with the Siawi elders. And these five teacher guys say, we don't understand God's word. We came here and we taught all of your people here that Mary is God. That you must believe in Mary in order to be saved. These elders here, they took us to God's word and revealed to us that Mary is just a woman. That Jesus is the only Savior. And you don't add anything to Jesus. And then they said, hey, since you're done working with these guys, can you come over to our village and can you teach us? And I said, no, I, I'm going to do something else, but I will let our mission know that you guys would like to have a missionary. 
Why do I say all that? To say that that is what a false teacher does. He just minimizes Christ, make Christ smaller and smaller and smaller, and something else the main subject. Is Jesus the focus of the church? He should be. You see, right teaching and right living go hand in hand. They're inextricably bound together. When you do not receive healthy teaching, do you know what happens? You do not live a healthy life. And that's why we see so many times tied in with false teaching is all sorts of heinous sin. We see this in 1 Timothy. That's what we see next. The spiritually sick, okay, so we've seen their teaching. That it's devoid of Christ. It's not centered on Christ. It's not about Christ. But what is their behavior? What, what, how do they act? Look at verses 4 and 5. He is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in, a, in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, strife abuse of language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of a depra- depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. So what do we see first? We see that people like this, that sit under this teaching, that they start to follow after these men that are leading them, and these men that are leading them, what do they, what do they like? Well, they're conceited. They think they know everything, but they don't know anything. Do you know anyone like that? And in particular, in the context, this is speaking about Christ. They talk as if they know everything about Christ, but they don't know anything about him. And then what is a crucial understanding is what he says next, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. That this word morbid here, it, it brings to mind to us the idea of death, right? Usually when you think of morbid, you, you think, okay, this is an unusual interest in, in disturbing subjects such as death and disease. And, and that is what's understood. But in the Greek, there's something else. In the Greek, this word is used mostly for sickness. Sickness, what? Leading unto death. That's what is happening here, that they are becoming more and more sick. It's revealing what their hearts are. That these false teachers are not saved. That they do not know Christ. They are sick and unhealthy. And what are they doing? They are leading more and more of the folks in the church in Ephesus in their ways, following after them. That's why we see that out of this, out of this morbid interest, out of this sickness, out of this unhealthy way that they live, then all of these characteristics, these five corruptions are seen. And what is the first one? Envy. Wanting what somebody else has. And wanting it to such an extent that that becomes everything for you. That that gets in the way of your relationship with that person. What we see in every one of these is the complete opposite of unity and love, which is what Christ desires for his church. That is to be the testimony of his church. When we are not a unified and loving church, what happens? The gospel is tarnished. And that is what is happening here. Strife, rivalry, discord, contention. That there's, there's just tons of unrest in this church. 
And then from there, where does it go? Where does it go? It goes to abusive language. This is what happens when the flesh is ruling. That literally means to blaspheme. It means to slander someone. It's to try to make someone look bad and make yourself look better. Evil suspicions, jumping to the worst conclusions about a person and having this strong opinion about them, but making that strong opinion without any kind of evidence. Just jumping to conclusions. And then finally, constant friction. This is where we see how the false teachers just aren't getting along with each other and no doubt the whole body. Because as they rub up with one another, what it ends up doing is causing arguments and irritations. In Papua New Guinea, we had this thing called ringworm. And I think I might have been one of the only ones in the family that was blessed to, to have ringworm. It starts off as this small little circular thing. And if you don't wash it, it turns into another circle on top of that circle on top of that. Before you know it, it looks like a big spider web that just starts to take over your whole body. There were people in our village, their whole body looked like they were a tattoo. It was ringworm. Yes, it's a worm. How do you, how do you stop it? Clean yourself. How do you not get it? You don't hang out with somebody that has a ringworm. Just leaning up against a post where another guy had just stood. If I wasn't careful and didn't come home and, and wash, then I, then I could get ringworm. That's what this is talking about. Constant friction, passing that off to one another. This is not what God des- designs for his church. This is the manifestation of, of the flesh that we see in Galatians 5, 19 to 20, 21. And we see a, a, a continuing on of this. Notice their minds. The minds of these men that are teaching. We're, we're told that they are depraved. That means ruined, destroyed. Morally corrupted. And, and in the Greek, it's, it's very, very strong. On the one hand, it's passive, meaning that someone else did this to their mind. Most likely speaking of Satan. On the other hand, it's in this, in this tense that, that, that started in the past at, at one particular point, but carries on to the present, meaning that their minds are depraved and they are permanently in this condition and established in this condition that they have turned away from the truth so many times that now that that's just where their mind is. It is depraved. It is flipped upside down. It is wrong in the way that it works. And then we're told that they are deprived of the truth. Do you know what deprived means? It means stolen, taken from them. No doubt, again, speaking to the truth that Paul had given these guys that was taken from them. Man, what a challenge to us. And how are we responding to God's word? Are we recognizing what kind of influence we're under? Day in and day out. And then we're told what the whole motivation is. As as if this isn't bad enough, then we see the whole reason why they are serving the Lord, why they are standing up and teaching. It's not to honor Christ. It's not to give glory to God. It's not so that more will come to a saving knowledge of Christ and join us for all of eternity. It's not for the edification of the body. There's one reason, and we're going to get into this next week, and and, and it is a powerful motivation that we all must keep a check on. 
Notice what it is. Who suppose, and what they do now is they redefine godliness. Who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. These are the guys that come into the ministry just because they want to get wealthy. That's what they were all about. They flipped godliness upside down. It's not about God anymore and honoring him and becoming more and more like Christ. It's all about them and what they, what they can get. This is not where the Lord desires his church to be. This is not for sure where the Lord desires those who lead his church to be. Don't settle for being unhealthy, for being sick. That is what we see in verses 3 to 5. Be mindful of the teaching that you're sitting under. Be mindful of the fruit that is manifesting itself from the teaching that you're sitting under. That is what we see in verses 1 to 2 as we see the spiritually healthy. Here Paul is speaking to believers. We know because when he talks about slaves and their owners, he says, hey, treat them well because they're also brethren, because they're believers. And so you have an obligation to them because they are believers just like you. So first we see the spiritually healthy. And notice what their teaching is. Entirely different than the different doctrine. We see this in verse 1 of chapter 6. It's nuanced a little bit, but he's pointing to it. All who are under the yoke of slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. Why? So that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. So what is the, the, the healthy person? What kind of doctrine are they sitting under? They're sitting under Paul's doctrine, our doctrine. The doctrine of Timothy, the teaching of Timothy, the teaching of the apostles. He points to himself and says, hey, measure it by what I gave you, which is God's word. There's not too many men that can say that. This is why I take us back to God's word over and over and over again, because I don't want you following me. We'll all be in trouble if you follow me. This is why we come to God's word and we let God's word teach us. And that's what Paul is doing here. This is what he does in verse 3. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words. Now he, he compares different doctrine with the, what, what good doctrine is. Sound doctrine, sound teaching. And remember, we saw that that is healthy and then he describes and gives us a clear understanding of what the sound doctrine is. It is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. So, so what is the Apostle Paul saying? In a nutshell, he's saying it's the teaching of Jesus. That is what sound doctrine is. If you want to think of it this way, it's the, the teaching about Jesus. It's the teaching of Jesus, and it's the teaching from Jesus. That is where Paul is coming from. That is what he is trying to communicate. This is the teaching that we need in order to be healthy. And remember, it's healthy teaching that produces healthy living. If God's grace is going to be active in your life, it is directly proportional to the time that you spend in God's Word. And under the teaching of God's Word, that it would be sound teaching that you are listening to. 
Let me throw out this definition again of godliness. I, I forgot this in, in first service. It's one I gave a couple weeks back, and it, I, I believe it's such a good definition. An active obedience that springs from a reverent awe of God. It's an active obedience that springs from a reverent awe of God. In this would be wrapped up our sanctification. That is what God is doing in godliness, working godliness in us. He's conforming us more and more into the image of Christ. And it, and it would be seen as a life that wants to honor Christ in everything, particularly as a witness for him, which is where he goes in verses 1 to 2. Because this was a place where the church in Ephesus, the believers in Ephesus, could be a serious witness for the gospel. But if they weren't careful, they were going to tarnish the gospel. And so what does he use? He uses a, a subject that you and I just don't think about that much. This, this wouldn't be in our wheelhouse. This wouldn't be in our daily thoughts or even in our lives at, at, at all. Slavery. But for this church, it was huge. Why? Because just as we all sit here this morning, back here in the first century in Ephesus, in a, in a gathering this big, there would be some that were slaves and some that were owner of the, owners of the slaves. And it could be that the owners of the very slaves were in the same service. And what happened? Well, as they got saved, and as they grew in their understanding of their salvation, and as they no doubt grew in their relationship with their slave owners, perhaps they started approaching their slave owners and saying, hey, you know what? There's no Jew or Greek anymore. There's no male or female. There's no slave and free man. Why, why are you still treating me like I'm your slave? You can't tell me what to do. I'm Christ's. And that, that was pushing. And then what was that doing? That was causing some sort of trouble in the church. And, and even more than that, it was causing a poor witness. And so what does Paul say? Paul says you need to serve one another. You need to submit and serve. Yes, even in the context of slavery. And so if Paul could say that to them in the context of slavery, do you think he can say that to us in the context of, you fill in the blank, your family relationships at home, your work relationship, in regards to the government, COVID, whatever. How important is your witness for Christ? That's where Paul goes. Turn with me to John. John chapter 13. And, and look at the challenge that Jesus gives to his disciples. And he makes it clear so that they wouldn't miss it. He didn't want to just think that him washing their feet would be misconstrued as, as something less than it really was. And so after he finishes washing their feet, Look at verse 13, what he says. He sets everything in context to allow them to know, hey, I am still God. I am your teacher. You don't even get it right now, but you will later. You will understand later just how incredibly huge this moment is that I, the God of the universe, the God who created you, washed your feet. You call me teacher and Lord, 
and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What does that mean? That serving one another trumps even something like slavery? The witness for Jesus Christ in this context even trumps something over like slavery. We know what Galatians 3.28 says, that, that there is no slave and no free man anymore in Christ. And yet turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And as descriptive as God's word is, on this subject of slavery and calling slavery sin, it's quite silent. Particularly in this context, and what we're going to see is it's because the gospel is more glorious. Because the gospel can enact a change that is more far-reaching than any social reform that we could do. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 20 to 24. Look at this. Each man must, must remain in that condition in which he was called. So if you're a slave and you're called, hey, you, be a slave. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. He's saying, hey, I get it. Slavery is not a good thing. So if you can get out of slavery, get out of slavery. But then look at what he says. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. You're free in Christ if, if you're a slave. Recognize that your position isn't where you live right now. But then he says, likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. What is his whole point? His whole point is the same thing that he's letting everyone know in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're all slaves. That's what he's saying. We are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are to do his service. Notice that the point here isn't that slavery doesn't matter. Even though Paul doesn't say anything about it as far as it being sin or something they should stay away from, that they, they should go ahead and have rallies against and, and all of these things. You know where he goes instead? He goes to the gospel. Paul isn't saying slavery is a good thing, so just keep being a good slave. He's saying that the gospel is a greater thing that the gospel is more significant, that the gospel is more important. Why? Because the gospel changes everything. It is through the gospel that all of these things can change. We could have gone into our village as we were in Papua New Guinea, and, 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 and there was a woman there who wasn't married that just kept having children. And you know what she would do? She would bury them alive. She, she was trying to cause shame on the men that were getting her pregnant because she was like the village harlot. And nobody would come forward and take her as a wife. So she was trying to force them to do that. And we could have come and just told them right away, hey, that, that's murder and that is so wrong. And if they did this while I was in the village, you bet I would have undug that baby. They would never do it when we were around. 
But do you know what changed this mindset? The gospel changed this mindset. That's what the gospel does. It recreates us and it renews our mind. And is that more, is that not more of what our world needs right now? The gospel. The gospel is what can change. You fill in the blank. Sex trafficking? Yes, by all means, let's stop it. But how is it truly going to change? It is going to change through the regeneration that happens when somebody comes to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is what Paul is talking about here. He says it's about your witness. So you know what? Yes, your slavery is important, but it's not as important as your witness. So if you can't become free and you are creating more of this disharmony and disunity and you are being a poor witness for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then stop it. Submit to your owner. And in that, you will be a witness. And that is what he is saying to us. Do you recognize that there are really only two kinds of people in this world? And they're both slaves. Either you are a slave of Satan, which is where our tribe was before we went in there, and it is so easy to see that they're a slave of Satan. Or you are a slave of Christ. There's no middle ground. You're either one or you're the other. Either you have responded to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that? That is the good news that he died upon the cross for sinners like me, sinners like you, that deserve eternal torment and punishment in hell. Either you believe and you repent of your sins and you turn to him recognizing that just as he said in John 14, 6, he is the only way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Have you believed in him? Or are you still a, a slave to Satan? You know, a slave to Satan can't do anything else but follow Satan. And praise the Lord as we saw a couple of weeks ago, and such were some of you. Such was I. But by God's wonderful grace, I am not what I was before. Okay, some points to ponder. Consider how healthy, and I'm, I'm going to call that the sound teaching. Healthy teaching and healthy living, that's godliness, go hand in hand. What are you doing today to ensure that you're receiving healthy teaching? What are you doing? Are you receiving healthy teaching other than Sunday? What else is coming in as a constant feeding source for you? And what does your daily walk and time with the Lord look like as you spend time with the Lord and His Word? And what does the fruit look like that is being produced as a result of your time in the Word? As we've seen here. Then on the other side, number two, consider how unhealthy teaching leads to unhealthy living. Ask the Lord to reveal wrong understandings of Christ and his word that you may be holding on to that are hindering you from godliness, that are stopping God's grace. Why? Because you don't have a proper understanding of Christ in this area or that area. And maybe it has to do with who you're listening to or what kind of books you're reading. Listen, I don't, I don't want to become the, the book police. The elders don't want to become the book police. I don't want to have to write up a whole bunch of books. These are the ones you should read. Ones, but please, we, we are putting some up. 
And if you have a question about something that you are reading or that you are someone you are listening to, then please approach us. And if we don't know exactly who they are, well, then we can do some digging and searching. That's part of body life that we would then edify the Lord. Because what happens, in, and, and I'm just assuming that in Ephesus, that there were believers that thought that what these guys were saying were fine. Thought that, that what they were teaching was acceptable. Okay, it's a little bit different, but no, it's okay. And what we see here is if it's not riveted and centered on Christ, it is not going to help you as far as your godliness goes. So let's stay centered on the Word of God and centered in Christ. Amen? Let me close our time as, as Pastor Shane and the worship team come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for sound teaching, healthy teaching. And we pray, Lord, that you would cause us to remain true to your word, that you would cause me to be just as Paul was to be sound, to be healthy, to have everything that we do centered upon you, Lord Jesus. Use us as we go from here. Allow us to be the kind of witness that you talk about and 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 to 2, with them being slaves in the way that they would respond to their owners. Allow us, in all of the different contexts in which we live, at work, in the way that we respond to our bosses, even on the highways as we respond to policemen and even others, in all those different contexts, Lord, that we would be a, a witness for you that doesn't tarnish your name, your reputation. And it's for your glory that we pray. Amen.